Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull and Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull and Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code Ben at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull and Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Ben. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. Democrats take Georgia's Senate seats and with it, unified control of the American government. Republicans focus on a last gasp effort to stave off certified electoral college results and the media lie about a police shooting again. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from prying eyes at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, we'll get to the utter and total screwing of the Republic in just one second. First, let me tell you that if it feels like the walls are closing in, if it feels like perhaps now might be an excellent time to diversify out of the stock market, considering the tax increases and regulatory increases that are in store, considering what is about to besiege the Republic, well, you might want to diversify just a little bit into precious metals. And this is where my friends over at Birch Gold come in with the Democrats now controlling the House and the Senate and the presidency. Well, you can expect that the dollar is going to be devalued. You can expect that we're going to get increased taxes. You can expect a slower than expected recovery. It's going to be good times all around. But at least you can hedge against all of those by buying into some precious metals right now. Birch Gold Group, it's the premier precious metals IRA company in America with an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers. Birch Gold can help you move an eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by gold and silver. There's a tidal wave of inflation coming. Get ready. Gold would be your hedge. Text Ben to 474747 for your free information kit on Precious Metals IRA or speak with a Birch Gold representative today. Time is running out. You can protect your savings right now. Text Ben to 474747. So, yep, things suck all the way around. So Republicans had two extraordinarily winnable races in Georgia last night. Uh, they proceeded to apparently lose both. So Raphael Warnock, who is a Marxist radical, who hates the American founding, believes that America is inherently racist, who has praised Fidel Castro, Jeremiah Wright, and Louis Farrakhan in no particular order, is going to take a seat in the United States Senate. He actually was the candidate who performed the best in Georgia last night. Meanwhile, on the other side, John Ossoff appears that he will beat David Perdue in that runoff race. Perdue had beat Ossoff by some 80,000 votes in the original November election. And now Ossoff appears to have outperformed Purdue. It's within margin of error, which means that there will be a recount. But again, the margin of, of loss for Purdue looks to be in the tens of thousands of votes. It is not in the hundreds of votes. So it is highly unlikely that that race shifts in the direction of the Republicans. So let's start with what this means. Before we get to the, the analysis of why this happened in the first place, and I think we all have some indicators as to why this happened in the first place. The stats on this are pretty good. Let's talk about what this means for the Republic. So obviously, Joe Biden now has unified control of the government. Joe Biden will be inaugurated on January 20th, and the De Senate Democrats, led by Chuck Schumer, will be in charge of the Senate, and Nancy Pelosi will be the Speaker of the House. 
And the Democrats will have the power to do pretty much anything they want. Now, there are some pretty significant limits on that power, as I'll explain in just a moment. But this was the whole pitch, guys. This is why Georgia mattered. This is why Georgia mattered. The reason that Georgia mattered, the reason this was the most important election of this year, okay, it was more important than the presidential, what just happened in Georgia. It was because the shift after the presidential, it meant that there was still the opportunity for Republicans to be able to stymie whatever insanity Democrats had coming down the line. Now, that is likely off the table in some pretty significant ways. And the, the election last night was extremely important, not just because of what is happening right now, but also because of what's going down in the future. If you look at the status of the 2022 race races, for example, if you look forward a couple of years, what you will see is that the Republicans are in quite a bit of trouble in the near future. The 2022 Senate map, for example, shows the Democrats will be in defense in Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, and New Hampshire. Biden won New Hampshire. He won Nevada. He won Arizona. And he won Georgia. Okay, so they're only on defense in states that Biden won. Okay, and that are newly moving to, to, toward the uh, purple slash blue, right? Particularly Georgia and Arizona are the shockers there. Republicans will be on defense in the Senate in 2022. In Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Florida, and Iowa. Okay, that means at least three of those seats are, are in serious danger, right? Pennsylvania is increasingly a blue state. Wisconsin is increasingly a blue state. North Carolina is sort of in the middle. Florida has moved red. Iowa has moved red. Okay, that means that there is a significant likelihood that Democrats actually pick up Senate seats in 2022, barring some sort of cataclysmic circumstance. That's why this mattered so awful much. Okay, typically, one-party control of the entire American government does not last for very long. In fact, the last three times that it has happened for Democrats, within two years, one-party control has faded away. It has dissipated. And it's very likely that that could happen, for example, in the House of Representatives as opposed to the Senate. So in two years, Republicans could have a real good year in the House that are only... I believe, nine seats short of a House majority right now in the House of Representatives. So it's quite possible that Republicans take back the House in a couple of years, but we are in for a couple of years of serious hurt. That was the pitch, okay? The original pitch here should have been in Georgia. If you want to stop Joe Biden, if you want Joe Biden not to have unified control of the government, you need to elect Republicans in these races. The problem is, and there are some problems here, that a lot of Republicans still think that Donald Trump is going to be president on January 21st. And so it made it very difficult for Purdue or Leffler to even make the argument they needed to make. They're sort of half making it, but they were afraid of ticking off a lot of their own base members who had been told falsely that Trump is still going to be president January 21st. He is not. There is no pathway for him. As we've discussed, there is no legal pathway for him. And what happens today in the Senate is for show. It is not a real legal pathway for him. Okay, so Leffler and Purdue should have been campaigning on, you want to stop Joe Biden from utterly controlling the American government? You need to elect us. They couldn't. That was taken off the table. And so what does that mean? It now means that the Democrats are going to control all three branches of government and the gridlock will be broken. Joe Biden was saying this himself. Here was Joe Biden before the election saying that if you elect Warnock and if you elect Ossoff, either, if you elect both of them, then uh, we can end this gridlock and we can move forward with my progressive agenda. He is pledging that he's going to be the most progressive president since FDR. So good luck with that. The power is literally in your hands. By electing John and the Reverend, you can break the gridlock that has gripped Washington and this nation. With their votes in the Senate, we'll be able to make the progress we need to make on jobs, on health care, on justice, on the environment, on so many important things. Okay, so this was the pitch, right? And the counter pitch was you got to stop that guy from doing all of this. The problem was Trump kept arguing that he was going to be able to, to change the results of the certified electoral college votes. 
And thus, many Republicans stayed home. I mean, the data that we have show that the people who are least likely to show up in this Georgia runoff elections, in these runoff elections, the people least likely to show up were people who are in rural red counties, right? The, exactly the area where Trump usually shows the strongest because Trump both was not on the ballot for the Republicans and he was also telling people that if you don't show up, I'll still probably be president on January 21st. So it really is not that big of a deal. He went down there and he campaigned and good for him. He should have campaigned. But the problem was he was also running ads in the last week of the election saying things like the election in Georgia was so screwed. You can't trust Kemp. You can't trust Raffensperger. You can't trust any of the Republicans in the state legislature. And a lot of Republicans just stayed home. The Republicans actually did better in the suburbs in this particular election than they did back in November. But it didn't matter because a lot of rural white Republicans did not show up. All the Democrats showed up. The Democratic turnout rates were over 90 percent of what they were in November, which is unheard of for a special election. The Republicans' turnout rates were closer to 87 or 88 percent. That was the entire difference in these votes. Okay, so the campaign should have been stop Joe Biden. And it wasn't stop Joe Biden. Okay, so what does that actually mean? For, for the future of the country. What is that actually, what comes next? We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that right now there are a lot of people coming to your door and you wanna know who those people are, right? For both safety and security reasons and also because it's just good to know what's happening on your property. And maybe you're at the office, maybe you're on a business trip. You still wanna know what is going on at your house. And that is why Ring is an excellent, excellent device. We've had Ring devices on our house for, for years. And as soon as we moved, my wife said, we need to get more Ring devices on the new house. That's literally the first thing that we did. That's why now is the perfect time to upgrade your doorstep with the Ring Video Doorbell. With Ring, you can see and speak to whoever is at the door from anywhere right on your phone. So you're never going to miss a visitor, whether it's your neighbor, your dinner, your groceries, or you can keep those packages and delivery safe. With motion detection, you'll get notified even if they don't ring the doorbell. If somebody stops by or something is going on, Ring lets you know. This is really useful for me because I have kids who are constantly running out the front door. And I can hear that little Ring device chime. And I now know that my kids are running out the front door and I can go and I can stop them. I love having the Ring video doorbell. I've actually added some Ring security cameras around the house as well. I got to keep track of the kids. Right now, get a special offer on the Ring welcome kit at ring.com slash Ben. It comes with the Ring video doorbell three and the Chime Pro. It's the perfect way to upgrade your front door and start that Ring experience. Go to ring.com slash Ben once more. That is ring.com slash Ben. Okay, so what is going to happen next? So right now, basically the hopes of the Republic lie with Joe Manchin. The Democratic senator from West Virginia. The only reason that Joe Manchin is still in the Senate in West Virginia is because he is a, a very right-wing Democrat, meaning he has institutionally allied himself with left-wing members of the Republican caucus pretty often, people like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. He also happens to be an institutionalist in the, in the mold of John McCain, which means that he is anti-getting rid of the filibuster and he is anti-packing the court. Here is Joe Manchin not all that long ago saying that he is not going to stand in favor of killing the filibuster or expanding the Supreme Court. I commit to you tonight, and I commit to all of your viewers and everyone else that's watching. I want to lay those fears, I want to rest those fears for you right now, because when they talk about whether it be packing the courts or ending the filibuster, I will not vote to do that. I will not vote to pack the courts, I think, and I will not vote to end the filibuster. Brett, this system, the Senate was so unique body in the world. It was made to work together in a bipartisan way. And once you start breaking down those barriers, then you lose every every reason that we are the institution that we are, the most deliberate body. Okay, so so watch for Joe Manchin to absolutely be shellacked by the left. I mean, every day the pressure is going to be on Joe Manchin because so many of the Democratic hopes for their legislative priorities rest in ramming through everything with 51 votes or 50 plus Kamala Harris. So if the filibuster is still in place, you need 60. To break the filibuster, you need 60 votes. So without killing the filibuster, what exactly can be done? And this is 
This is why, realistically speaking, Biden is not going to get most of his agenda here. So that's that's a comfort, right? Just on a legislative level, that's a comfort because what Biden would wish to ram through and what he is capable of ramming through are two very different things. Okay, the, the process that he is going to use is a process called budget reconciliation. Okay, budget reconciliation is there's a certain area of American law and Senate procedure in which 51 votes or 50 plus the vice president to break a tie. That, that number of votes is necessary only in order to pass particular budgetary items. So you can't, for example, pass amnesty through budget reconciliation. Now, he may not have to pass amnesty through budget reconciliation. Right? He may actually have the votes for amnesty. Like This is the thing that I'm most worried about on a, on a pure legislative level. There are really three things that I'm worried about on a pure legislative level from Joe Biden with his new Senate majority, which is just unthinkably bad. Here are the three things. I'm worried significantly about tax increases because of budget reconciliation, which I'll explain in a second. I'm worried about immigration because I think there are a lot of soft-hearted Republicans and, uh, and in some cases, soft-headed Republicans who are going to try and revive the 2013 immigration deal that would not only legalize the so-called dreamers, but would actually legalize 11 million people minimum who are in the country illegally, right? Create a quote-unquote pathway to citizenship for them and, and get very little in return because there are a lot of Republicans out there who still believe that if they're soft on immigration, somehow this is going to shift Latino voters in, into, their, into their aisle. I, I don't see the evidence for that at all. Donald Trump actually outperformed with Hispanics compared to, for example, Mitt Romney in 2012, right? Romney was very soft on immigration or at least more soft on immigration. Trump was very harsh on immigration and very openly harsh on immigration. And he did much better in 2020 with Hispanics than he did in 2016. So the evidence that Republicans would be making a smart electoral move by signing on to some sort of giant amnesty bill that legalizes what is really not 11 million, it's probably closer to 20 million people who are in the country illegally. That, that seems like bad politics to me, but it, it, doesn't, it, it would also not be hard, I think, to, to peel off enough Republicans to defeat a filibuster there. So that is uh, the top legislative priority that is likely to receive some sort of bipartisan negotiation for Republicans because Republicans are afraid of the issue, even though they really should not be, even though there actually is a pretty wide consensus in the United States what to do about immigration, which is make sure people don't come into the country illegally. If they do come into the country illegally, then you deport them. If they've been here for a very long time, then you determine whether they ought to remain in the country based on whether they are a benefit to the United States or whether they are not. Right? Everybody basically agrees on that by polling data. But Republicans, I think, might well sign on to some sort of amnesty bill because they've done so in the past. So I'm, I'm worried about tax increases. I am worried about immigration. And I'm worried about the public option because Democrats did use budget reconciliation to pass Obamacare, right? They did use this process. They twisted this process to use budget reconciliation. Okay, so what is budget reconciliation? And it's going to get a little abstruse here, but it's important. You got to know these rules because these are the rules Democrats are going to use if Manchin doesn't cave on the filibuster. Now, if Manchin caves on the filibuster, it's all over, right? I mean, the country is basically toast. If Manchin caves on the filibuster and if the Democrats get rid of the filibuster in the Senate, then they would move immediately to make Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. states, which would add four senators. They would immediately move to pack certain federal courts. Right? They would be able to ram through with 51 votes, extraordinarily radical legislation on everything from the so-called Green New Deal to the so-called Equality Act. But assuming that the, that the filibuster holds, then what they're going to be able to do probably is amnesty, because I, again, I'm not sure that filibuster will even hold for amnesty. Uh, I think they'll be able to do tax increases through budget reconciliation, and probably the public option. Okay, so what is budget reconciliation? So Vox did a, did a rundown of this, and this actually happens to be a fairly decent rundown, talking about what budget reconciliation is. They did this back in 2019. Reconciliation was designed to make sure the United States Senate could pass easily bills dealing with the federal budget. 
particularly if Congress wanted to reduce the deficit without the threat of a filibuster from the minority party. The process begins with a congressional resolution instructing committees in the House and Senate to draw up legislation that saves the federal government a set amount of money. So the special privileges under reconciliation come with conditions. The the goal here was to have the budget not be held up by filibuster every single time. And so there was a rule that was created that you could pass a budget with 51 votes, but certain conditions needed to be met. A bill passed under budget reconciliation is forbidden from increasing the federal deficit outside a 10-year window. So you have to wait for the CBO estimate. You remember that Republicans did this with the, with the Trump tax cuts, right? They passed that through budget reconciliation, and then they waited for the CBO to say that it wasn't going to raise the deficit outside a 10-year window. There is also something known as the Byrd Rule. The rule came about in the 1980s after West Virginia Senator Robert Byrd grew frustrated with budget reconciliation because his colleagues were using it to advance all sorts of stuff, not just stuff related to spending and revenue. So there, there's a new standard for what can be included in a reconciliation bill. This has been enshrined in federal law. So it has to check all of these boxes in order for you to be able to pass it with 50 votes plus Kamala Harris breaking the tie. Every time I say that, it just makes me want to spin my head around like uh, like the lady from The Exorcist and vomit everywhere. Just cover the entire studio and vomit. Kamala Harris breaking ties in the Senate. Unbelievable. Un-effing believable. Okay, so here is... Sorry, sound engineers. Here is the... Um, so here is the, the bird rule. Okay, the, these are the tests for the bird rule. One, the provision must change federal spending or revenue. Okay, so it can't just be on an unrelated topic like the Equality Act, which is about regulating transgender bathrooms and such. Two, if the bill does not meet the budget resolution's instructions to reduce the federal deficit, any provision that results in either increased spending or decreased revenue is removed until it does meet those targets. So any budget that is passed under this is supposed to be revenue neutral. Right, this is why you remember that they totally gamed the system on this with Obamacare. So they came up with these, these bullcrap explanations of how Obamacare was going to be revenue neutral, even though it actually costs the country over the years hundreds of billions of dollars minimum. Three, the provision must only affect policies that fall under the jurisdiction of the specific committees that were instructed in the budget resolution. Four, the provision's effect on spending or revenue must be more than incidental to its policy impact. So in other words, you can't say, yeah, we did a bill on transgender bathrooms and that has a budget impact. No, it's gotta be like the primary focus of the bill. It has to be very, very central to the bill. Five, the provision cannot increase the federal deficit at some point in the future beyond the typical 10-year budget window that is used to evaluate legislation. And six, the provision cannot be used to change social security, right? That was enshrined to make sure that Republicans didn't use budget reconciliation in order to shore up social security. So for healthcare bills, number four is the real problem because again, the healthcare bill could be argued to, to really not be about the budget at all. Now, Democrats, have usually gone to the rule makers in the House, the, the Senate parliamentarian, and said, okay, well, you know what? It actually isn't incidental, and then rammed things through. It does create a problem for things like Medicare for all, for example. It could be a problem for, for, the, uh, for, for the public option that Joe Biden is attempting to push. It could also not be uh, a problem for that. So budget reconciliation is the way that Senate Democrats are going to get things done. That is going to take off the table things like the Green New Deal that radically raise the debt radically raise it. It's going to take off the table things like the Equality Act, thank God, because the Equality Act is is really dangerous. It's by, By the way, again, Joe Biden, when it comes to immigration reform, my concern is that Republicans are going to cave on immigration reform. I mean, Biden has said over and over and over again, he wants comprehensive immigration reform. Here he was during the campaign saying that. And on day one, I'm sending, no matter what the state of this is, to the United States Congress, a bill to provide for a path to citizenship for 11 million undocumented people, number one, in the United States. Number two, every DACA student will be able to stay. It's a gigantic 
objective of mine to see to it that we make a we have an immigration system that's consistent with our values and who we say we are. Okay, so he really wants to push that, right? And and we'll see if Republicans cave on it. This is where the Republican base is going to need to stand up on its hind legs and say no to its own senators if those senators try and ram through some sort of crappy amnesty bill. Okay, we're going to get to more of this in just one second. Then we'll talk about the real damage that a Biden administration is going to do because it really is not going to be mainly in the land of legislation. Though, of course, it will be in the land of legislation as well. First, let's talk about your sleep quality. So I didn't sleep well last night. How'd you do? But here's the thing. Tonight, I will be very tired because I really slept poorly last night. And I will be so relieved to be on my Helix Sleep mattress because that mattress was made just for me. Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. Everybody's unique. Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They've got soft, medium, firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size folks. It's been awesome getting unboxing videos from so many of you who found the Helix Sleep mattress of your dreams. The mattress is fantastic. My wife and I took the two-minute sleep quiz. We've got a mattress made just for us. And the thing is just, it's like sleeping on a cloud. It's great. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take that two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They've got a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you absolutely will. Helix is offering up to 200 bucks off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Ben. Again, that's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Okay, so the, the main threat of the Biden administration is going to be, as I say, through tax increases, it's going to be through but maybe using budget reconciliation in order to ram through a public option. A public option would be a disaster, by the way. Now, I know a lot of people don't understand what a public option is, but a public option is basically the federal government sets up an alternative to private health care insurance. And the idea is that they are now going to subsidize health care for everyone. Right. So there will be a baseline level of health care provided by the federal government. You don't have to be poor to, to access it. Right. You don't have to be on Medicare or Medicaid in order to access this. It would just be people will get thrown off their insurance willy-nilly because employers are not going to want to pay for it. Doctors are going to be forced to take it by the federal government because that's the only way to make a public option work. If doctors say, I'm not taking your crappy reimbursement rates and hospitals say, we're not going to take your reimbursement rates, then you're either going to have to prosecute them or you're going to have to tie a public option to Medicare and Medicaid, which would bankrupt hospitals and doctors. Then you subsidize these programs up the wazoo. You, you force all of the ancillary charges onto the private companies and you bankrupt the private companies. There's a reason that every Democrat who talks about the public option talks about it knowing that the eventual goal is the destruction of the private health insurance industry, right? Which is where you're getting your good health care right now. The vast majority of Americans are getting their health care there. And as Heritage points out, you first create the illusion the government plan is less expensive by shifting all the costs to doctors, hospitals, and other providers. And then you keep doctors and other providers from rejecting low government payment rates by coercing them into joining the new government health care plan. And then you make the private alternatives unaffordable and then you bankrupt them. Right. That, that is the goal of the public option. Joe Biden is uh, is likely to push that extremely hard. We'll see if they can push that through via the uh, via the budget reconciliation process. That depends now on the Senate parliamentarian. Before it would have been a foregone conclusion that would not go anywhere because Republicans would have maintained control of the Senate. But they didn't. So now we're going to have to rely on the niceties of the Senate parliamentarian and Joe Manchin, right? That's what we're going to have to rely upon. Uh, and we'll see how well that goes. Uh, I think that um, I have doubts as to how well that is going to go. But let's be real about this. The real, the real problem with Democrats having unified control of the government is going to be everything else. It's going to be everything else. It can be executive action. So the Senate was not an obstacle to executive action in the first place. But having senators who are capable of stopping broad-scale legislation 
on a simple majority basis would have stymied a lot of the, the executive action that Joe Biden wanted to push, at least on a rhetorical level. Most of what Joe Biden is going to do is going to be on an executive basis. It's going to be extraordinarily dangerous. What we're going to watch is going to be an exacerbation of the culture wars. This is what's tearing apart the country right now. This is what folks need to understand. What folks really need to understand is that what we have been watching over the past several years is not really argument over legislation. I know you watch shows like this one. You listen to shows like this one. We talk politics all day, right? We talk about the legislation that's going through Congress. We talk about presidential action. The reality is that, yes, politics is downstream of culture, meaning that the vast majority of people vote based on their feelings about politics without actually knowing anything, right? Polls show this over and over and over again. It's what happened in Georgia last night. People didn't know anything about Raphael Warnock, and so they voted for Raphael Warnock. The only impression they had of Kelly Loeffler is that Kelly Loeffler was a, a rich lady who was out of touch with the people. And that was because culture is downstream, uh, that politics is downstream from culture. People had perceptions, widespread perceptions about wealth in America that are not true and systemic American racism that are not true. And so they voted in line with those cultural preconditioning sentiments created by an overtly partisan media and a Hollywood structure and a narrative structure that's been created by nearly every institution around you, right? That's, that's, that's how politics is downstream from culture. But politics is also part of the culture. And what that means is that when you have the federal government of the United States constantly in every area pressing forward the left, the wild left woke social agenda, it means that your personal daily life is going to be impacted by this. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the culture war. Okay, let's talk, because that's, that's really why Trump was made president in the first place in 2016. It wasn't because Trump said anything about legislation. Nobody knew why the hell, well, like what, what Trump even thought about legislation. Moving up to the 2016 election, I had no idea whether he was going to raise taxes or lower them. I had no idea whether he was going to try to defund Planned Parenthood or refund Planned Parenthood. Like he had said all of these things. It wasn't about that. It was that Trump understood on a gut level the frustration of many Americans with the culture war. Those culture wars are going to be exacerbated right now. I think what we are going to see right now is Democrats overreach, not just in terms of legislation, right? Here's the thing. If Democrats overreach in terms of legislation, then the American system is self-correcting. Barack Obama over, overreached in terms of legislation in his first couple of years with Obamacare and with the giant stimulus bills and with cash for clunkers and with all this other nonsense. And within two years, the Republicans had swept back into power in the House. So if the Democrats overreach in terms of legislation, then there will be a blowback to that, politically speaking. And again, because the filibuster exists, you can't really overreach in terms of legislation as much as Democrats would love to. Right? That, that, that's, that's not going to happen. Where they really can overreach and where it has long-lasting impact, even if there is blowback, is they can overreach in terms of the culture that they push. They can continue to overreach along the, the lines of the cancel culture. And when you have the president of the United States, who will be Joe Biden come the end of January, when you have him continuing to push the Obama line with the full compliance of the Senate and the full compliance of the House and the full compliance of the big tech companies who are now deeply afraid, deeply afraid of a bipartisan attempt to shut down big tech, who are now scared crapless of Joe Biden. When you have all, like if there had been a Republican Senate and Mitch McConnell was in charge, the big tech companies at least would feel fear from Mitch McConnell. Right now, they don't fear, fear, feel fear from Mitch McConnell. They fear Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden. What does that mean for what you get to post on social media and what you get to see on social media? If you're worried about big tech predations right now, what do you think when all the members of the big tech upper echelon are in constant cahoots with people who have unified control of American government? How do you think that's going to go? Right? If you're talking about legislation that could get passed, you know, a bipartisan attempt to crack down on big tech in a way that does not benefit conservatives is highly likely at this point. 
It's going to impact how you speak to your friends and your family. And Barack Obama, the real damage that Barack Obama did as president of the United States was not the legislative damage. Obamacare sucked. The tax increases sucked. The the sequestration effect of, of slashing the military was terrible. All that is reversible. What he did to the culture is the long-lasting impact of Barack Obama, and it's going to exacerbate. It's going to get a lot worse under Joe Biden. With the, with the echo chamber of the media behind him, with the echo chamber of a, of a Democratic Senate behind him, with the echo chamber of a Democratic House behind him. Right? That's the stuff that is truly dangerous. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that um, you know, there are awkward things in life to talk about. Unified democratic control of government, erectile dysfunction. There are many things that are awkward in life, but one of those things could be solved right now. All you would have to do is head on over to Roman with Roman and get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is really easy. Just go to getroman.com slash Ben, complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to talk about. Now there is Roman. Complete that online visit today. Connect with the doctor. Get it taken care of. Just go to getroman.com slash Ben to get up to 50 bucks off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That is getroman.com slash Ben for up to 50 bucks off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash Ben, G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash Ben. If you have a medical problem like ED, there's no reason why you should wait around on it. Just go get it solved today, and then you don't have to think about it anymore, and your life is better. GetRoman.com slash Ben. That's GetRoman.com slash Ben for up to 50 bucks off your first month of ED treatment. Okay, so as I say, it's the culture war where all this stuff is going to happen. Remember, Joe Biden has, has it's foreign policy and the culture war and executive orders where, where most of this stuff is going to happen. But the culture war is what impacts you personally. On foreign policy, we already know what he's going to do. He's going to try and re-enter the Iran deal and try to wreck all of these peace deals in the Middle East. In fact, over the last 48 hours, Biden plan, says that he plans to name a bunch of former Obama administration officials to senior jobs at the State Department and NSC, the National Security Council, in the coming days, according to the Washington Post. He's going to nominate Wendy Sherman, the chief U.S. negotiator of the garbage Iran nuclear deal, and former number three at the State Department. So, so that's, um, that's going to be horrible, right? He's going, to, he's going to bring back in the old team. We knew all that. We also knew that he was going to redo things like the education agenda of Betsy DeVos, right? He's going to reinstate a push for critical race theory in, in public schools. He is going to reinstate the awful, awful Title IX standards that suggested kangaroo courts for people who are accused of any sort of sexual misconduct on college campuses, Betsy DeVos actually wrote a farewell letter to Congress in which she urged Congress to keep supporting school choice and to resist efforts by the incoming Biden administration to make college free for some students, cancel some student debt. Biden is being encouraged to do that through unilateral action. Uh, So, you know, that that could happen. But again, the real impact here is going to be the cultural push, the cultural push. Remember, the Biden-Sanders agenda. So remember that very early on in the in the race, after Biden had obviously picked up the nomination, He created a unity agenda with Bernie Sanders. By the way, worth noting, members of the squad were appointed to the House Oversight Committee. So if you've enjoyed the House Oversight Committee's shenanigans for the past several years, get ready for more and worse. Okay, but in that agenda, in that Biden-Sanders agenda, appeared the following sentences, which are going to be the guiding philosophy when it comes to race and presumably all other quote-unquote anti-discrimination in American life. Quote, we need proactive anti-discrimination detection and enforcement on day one. We are committed to taking anti-racist actions for equity across our institutions, including in the areas of education, climate change, criminal justice, immigration, and healthcare, among others. So what does that mean? 
That means that they are looking for equal outcome among all racial groups and all subgroups in the United States. The coalition of the victims of the victimized is going to be ascendant again under Joe Biden. And if you stand in their way, they're going to call you racist, sexist, bigoted, homophobic jerks. He's going to use the power of the federal government unchecked by Congress to ram through investigations, tax investigations of churches that do not comply with Joe Biden's perceptions of anti-discrimination law. Watch for it. Okay, this is my prediction. The IRS will be militarized on behalf of the woke social agenda. Tax plans are going to be increased across the nation. It's going to quash the economic recovery. Now, the good news for Joe Biden, because all the stars are aligned for that guy, apparently. The good news for Joe Biden is that because we are in the middle of a COVID pandemic, the economy is artificially depressed right now. That means that almost no matter what he does, the economy is still going to grow throughout 2021. So he can raise taxes to exorbitant levels. The economy will still probably grow. It'll just grow a lot slower than it would have under President Trump or under Republican Congress stymieing those efforts. Remember, Joe Biden's tax plan would make the the top income tax rate in states like New York and California 62%. 62%. Quashing industry, crushing investment. Okay, but because everybody's out of work right now because of COVID, and as the vaccines start to, to move through the American economy and people start to go back to work and start to participate in American life again, Biden is going to be able to live off of the off of the fumes of the Trump economy. And thanks to the natural bounce that occurs after an artificial depression like we've experienced over the past year, he's going to be able to claim that his policies are actually not that bad. But I keep coming back to this point. The, the biggest problem that you're going to have is social. It's the, it's the problem in your life. It is the problem that you're going to be having in your life with your friends and family who are going to be declaring you even more so than they, this is not going to decelerate with Trump out of office. There are a lot of people out there who seem to be under the impression that with Trump out of office, their friends and neighbors are going to treat them well again. Wrong you are. Democrats have complete control of government. They're going to be using the control of the press and the control of government to pose their wokeism as the new normal. And if you stand in the way, your corporation will fire you. Your friends will disown you. Right? Social life is going to become more polarized, not less now. Trump at least provided a, a single point of solidarity for a lot of Republicans who wanted to unify in opposition to the woke cultural agenda. Now, how do they do it? Now, how do they do it? I'm going to get to some solutions in a second to this because I don't think all hope is lost. In fact, I think that this might be the, the kick in the pants. I, I hope, the, the silver lining part of me hopes that this is the kick in the pants Republicans need to actually stop with the nonsense and do the hard on the ground work of reconstructing a system in order to win broad victories. But here's where this is going. Okay, there's Alexis de Tocqueville writing in 1831 about what happens in democracies when cultural despotism occurs. He says, the master no longer says, you shall think as I do or you shall die. He says, you're free not to think as I do. Your life, your goods, everything remains to you. But from this day on, you are a stranger among us. You shall keep your privileges in the city, but they will become useless to you. For if you crave the vote of your fellow citizens, they will not grant it to you. If you demand only their esteem, they will still pretend to refuse it to you. You shall remain among men, but you shall lose your rights of humanity. When you approach those like you, they shall flee you as being impure. And those who believe in your innocence, even they shall abandon you. For one would flee them in their turn. Go in peace. I leave you your life, but I leave it to you worse than death. Right? That is going to be the culture of the United States. That's going to be the culture of the United States under a unified, democratic, controlled government. So what can be done to fight this? What can be done? What can be done to turn back this tidal wave that is coming for you and coming for your family and coming for your church? We'll talk about that in just one second, because I do think that there is hope. Maybe, maybe this is the the kick in the pants conservatives need to get it together and start acting in solidarity, not with regard to particular legislation or particular politicians, but with regard to each other. 
It is more important that the social fabric that binds not just conservatives, but all Americans who believe in freedom of speech and freedom of association grow. I don't care all that much about which politicians are elected as long as they leave me alone. But I, I care about politics because they won't leave you alone. I'm much more concerned. I'm not concerned about your loyalty to a particular politician because politicians are not loyal to you. They are loyal to themselves. Invariable truth of life. But I am concerned about the loyalty we have to one another, about the horizontal social fabric of the United States. We need to form social ties that help prevent the predations of a top-down federal government and their woke allies in the media and in the corporate world and in, and in Hollywood and in the scientific community. The tsunami is coming. We better build a dam right now. Okay, like right now. We'll get to that in just one second. First, our eyes were not meant to look at screens all day. And I will tell you, like months and months ago, before I had Felix Grey glasses, I would get headaches at night because I stare at screens all day long, right? I mean, I look at my computer screen and then I'm looking at my phone screen and then I'm watching TV with my wife at night and spend hours and hours in front of a screen all day. God didn't mean your eyes for that. So that's why your eyes probably hurt at the end of the day. It's probably why you have a headache. You need Felix Grey glasses. They filter 15 times more blue light from screens than any other clear blue light lenses to help restore your balance. The original optical lenses relieve most eye strain symptoms from daily screen time. The more advanced sleep glasses relieve serious daily eye strain were especially designed for late night screen time to improve sleep. Felix Grey frames, they're hand finished from Italian acetate, making them durable, lightweight, super comfortable. Blue light lenses come standard starting at 95 bucks or you can add your prescription at checkout starting at 145 bucks. It's not gonna cost you a fortune to get rid of the headaches you've been suffering because of the blue light. And if you don't love the glasses, in the first 30 days, their in-house customer care team will take care of exchanges and returns. No hassle, no questions asked. Felix Grey glasses are designed for the 21st century. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben to shop glasses that work as hard as you do. That is F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash Ben. Free shipping, free exchanges, 30-day money-back guarantee. Felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben. Okay, we're going to get to more of this in just one second. First, there's a reason that millions and millions of Americans believe overt lies about the state of, of politics, about their fellow Americans, about conservatives. And a lot of that has to do with the culture war that we're talking about right now. If we don't fight the culture war, if we don't get involved in the culture war, we're going to lose. Daily Wire is joining the culture war. That is why we are launching our first mainstream motion picture, Run, Hide, Fight. It's not kind of a typical conservative film with an altar call at the end or, or with a, a sort of happy church message. That, that's not what the movie's about. Okay, the movie is intense. It is violent. It is rated R. It is edgy. And it is designed to draw younger Americans particularly to more conservative values. The movie follows a high school besieged by a quartet of school shooters when one young girl, 17-year-old Zoe Hull, uses her wits and survival skills to fight back. You can watch the full trailer over at the Daily Wire YouTube channel. It's fantastic. The performances are really good. It is high-quality movie making. Really, I mean, it, it's the first time anybody in the conservative world has done anything like this. Go check it out right now by going to dailywire.com because Run, Hide, Fight will be available to watch Friday, January 15th if you're a subscriber at dailywire.com. We will be doing a special live stream premiere the night before on Thursday, January 14th on the Daily Wire YouTube channel. Let's kick off 2021 by fighting back in the culture. We need to create our own content. We need alternatives. That's what we're trying to be for you. We want to replace the media that lie to you and lie about you on a daily basis. Check us out at dailywire.com. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so when I say that we're going to have to fight back in the culture, I'm saying that because there are a lot of people who are putting a lot of stake in what happens in the Senate today, as though the Senate is going to challenge electoral votes, and then suddenly Trump is going to retain the presidency. That's not going to happen. I, mean, I don't wish to be the bearer of bad tidings. I wish, I, God, I wish it were not this way. Okay, but that, there is no legal process to do what people want Pence or the Senate Republicans to do. They're just not. Okay, I explained the law in detail on Monday. That's not how any of this works. 
Okay, you're allowed to challenge electoral votes when there's more than one slate of electors legally sent by a particular state, when there's actual fraud and, and voter irregularity that has been proved. You, you are not allowed to simply challenge votes because you don't like the outcome of votes in particular states. And it is not a forum to talk about voter processes within states. The federal government was not given charge of this. The whole point of the Electoral College is that states are supposed to have the final say in who gets elected president of the United States. That is the purpose of the Electoral College. To put the federal Congress over that is to essentially grant, I mean, on, on, a, on a moral basis, it's wrong. But beyond that, on a, on a political level, it's absolutely asinine for Republicans to want that kind of standard going forward. If Republicans want the federal Congress or the national popular vote deciding this thing, Republicans have won one national popular vote in the presidential election since I was four years old. It was in 2004, and that was after 9-11, and after an election in which George W. Bush lost the popular vote by half a million in 2000. Okay, so the Electoral College, if you want Republicans to win in the future, you need to preserve the Electoral College. You don't want to destroy its legitimacy. You don't want to suggest that the federal Congress can simply throw out votes that you don't like. And you certainly don't want to suggest that the vice president has the unilateral power to simply disregard certified Electoral College votes. There is no precedent for this in the 12th Amendment. There is no legal basis for it. Even under the 12th Amendment, it just says that Pence can open the votes. It doesn't say that he gets to even count them. It says the votes shall be counted under the 12th Amendment. So people who are saying today, that the Senate Republicans are going to change the outcome of the election. Josh Howley knows they are not. He has admitted as much. Ted Cruz knows they are not. Everybody knows this. Okay, so all this is, is right now is just a show of, of upset over the election or a show of fealty to Trump, but it is not intended to actually change the outcome. Okay, that is the, the baseline truth. It is not going to change a thing. And that is not because of Republican cuckishness or because of Republican cowardice. It's because there is a system of laws and rules in this country they are embedded in the law. Andy McCarthy, a huge Trump fan, a huge Trump advocate, has written extensively about this. Anybody who's suggesting that Mike Pence is the guy who will just reinstall, like, how do you think this is going to go? How would it have gone in 2016 if Joe Biden had simply said, you know what? Hillary Clinton won by three and a half million popular votes. And, you know, it appears that Trump beat her in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, but it was such a slim margin. You know, I, I don't really like those votes. So we're just going to, I, unilaterally, Joe Biden, I've decided I'm not going to count any of those votes. And thus Hillary Clinton becomes president. How do you think that you would feel about that? Okay, well, if you don't like that idea, then you probably shouldn't like the ideas that are now being proposed. You know, President Trump is still tweeting out there things suggesting that Vice President Pence knows he can overturn the election. He put out a statement suggesting that he has several options under the Constitution. He can decertify the results. He cannot. This is not legal. He can send them back to the states for change and certification. He cannot. He can also decertify the illegal and corrupt results and send them to the House of Representatives for the one vote for one state tabulation. No, he cannot. He does not have that power under the Constitution of the United States. Okay, that's not what's going to happen today. Okay, so the, the Trumpian solution here is not the solution. And by the way, it is worthy of note that this entire last two months did have an impact in two extraordinarily close races in Georgia in probably turning those Democrat. Okay, there, there are several key mistakes that were made throughout the past two months on this particular issue and other related issues that probably destroyed the ability of Republicans to hold the Senate. And that is not an, uh, that, that is not an excuse for David Perdue, who's not a particularly wonderful candidate, or Kelly Loeffler, who's a very not wonderful candidate. But the reality is that in Georgia, in an off-year election, in a special election, in which Republicans had every reason to go out and show up at the polls, and Democrats really did not have tremendous reason to show up at the polls. Democrats showed up at the polls more often than Republicans did in broader numbers. And that is for several reasons. Here's the incentive structure. I, I promised I was going to analyze what actually happened in Georgia last night. So here's the actual analysis of what happened in Georgia last night. Republicans one month ago in the polls were up a little bit. 
By the time of the election, they were down a little bit. Okay, they were within, within margin of error, but it was it was close. Democrats had an advantage. Okay, then the Republicans passed in the House and in the Senate in late December a COVID relief package. And David Perdue began running ads on it. And Kelly Loeffler began running ads on it. And these ads were good ads because these ads were designed to show that Democrats had obstructed COVID relief in the middle of a pandemic for political purposes, right? That was the ad. And then Donald Trump decided in a fit of pique that he was going to reject the COVID relief bill and call for a $2,000 check to be put out to everybody, okay? Which meant that now John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock could claim that the actual obstructionists were all of the Republicans who had just voted for a COVID relief bill that the Democrats had stymied for six months. And that it was, it was the Democrats who were truly generous. I mean, Joe Biden, the day before the election said, if you give me these senators, you will get a $2,000 check in the mail. You know who created the groundwork for that? That was Donald Trump because Chuck Schumer embraced it and so did Nancy Pelosi. And you can blame Purdue and Leffler for not getting on board with the $2,000 check idea, but that wouldn't have even been out there because the bill was passed and done. Okay, so that was a mistake. Other mistakes that occurred. When the president of the United States, doesn't matter how often he goes down and he rallies in these areas, when those rallies circulate around the idea that the Georgia election was fraudulent in November, and he provided no hard proof that the Georgia election was fraudulent in November, when you do that over and over and over, when you run ads in the week of the election suggesting that Brad Raffensperger and Brian Kemp and all the Republicans in the state legislature and all of those Republicans are basically bought off or basically corrupt or screwing this thing up or that you're a schmuck to support them, do you think that the, the people who love Trump are really going to are going to go out and vote in mass numbers for David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler? Or are they going to do what Lynn Wood was telling them to do? Are they going to stay home? Right, because here, and, and not only that, when Donald Trump made himself the center of the Georgia Senate races after the election, right? I mean, he's on his way out because the Electoral College has already voted by the time of the election. When Trump made himself the center of the election, what did he do? He drove every Democrat to the polls. So here's the thing about Trump, and it was true in November. He drives a lot of Republicans to the polls. He also drives a ton of Democrats to the polls, particularly Democrats in urban areas. Black Democrats showed up in mass numbers for Warnock and Ossoff. You know who didn't show up? Exactly the people that Donald Trump is supposed to appeal to the most, rural white voters. In fact, if rural white voters had showed up in the same numbers this time around as they did back in the beginning of November, then the Republicans would have held. Not only that, Republicans have been bleeding out in the suburbs for years, right? I mean, if you look at the actual district where Ossoff did well this time, those were districts won by David Perdue in 2014. There's as much of a 20 to 30 point swing in some of these districts, in some of these counties over the last six years. That has to do with the fact that Republicans basically between 2012 and 2020 traded away a lot of their suburban support in favor of rural, of rural support. Here's the thing, you can have both. You can have both suburban support and rural support. It is not impossible to have both. Hey, but by making himself the center, Democrats showed up and every day, Warnock, Warnock and Ossoff did not even campaign really against Purdue and Leffler. They campaigned against Trump because Trump was on the TV every single day talking about how he was going to shift the election and how Georgia had been screwed up. And Warnock and Leffler and Warnock and, and Ossoff were on TV every day saying Donald Trump wants to disenfranchise you, right? Which is not true. Doesn't matter. They got to play with that talking point and Democrats were willing to, to parrot it. That Donald Trump wants to disenfranchise you if you are a Democrat. He's a racist. He wants to disenfranchise you. Black voters showed up to the polls in droves. Meanwhile, Trump depressed his own vote in Georgia for those Georgia senators. And so the, the, the hope that Donald Trump would retain the, and beyond that, finally, when Donald Trump 
maintained over and over, as he is maintaining today, by the way, that he will still be in office in January 21st. It said to a lot of Republicans, okay, well, I want to punish the Georgia Republican Party for not standing with Donald Trump. And I have faith that Donald Trump is not lying to me and that on January 21st, he will still be president. And so it doesn't matter what I do with the Senate. Those Senate Republicans are cucks and those Senate Republicans don't deserve my support. Donald Trump deserves my support. And so I'm not going to bother voting. Now, that doesn't have to be a mass number of people. Here's the thing. In Georgia, the turnout for Republicans was still really, really high, right? I mean, it was still close to 90%. All it had to be was about three percentage points more. And the Republicans retained the Senate. Okay, so we're not talking about every Trump supporter in Georgia. We're not even talking about every Republican. We're not talking about even a large number of people. But the margins of these victories are extraordinarily small. Right? John Ossoff is up over, over David Perdue by something like 13,000 votes, 14,000 votes. Right? Warnock is going to beat Leffler by maybe 40 or 50,000 votes. So what does this say? This says a few things. One, Republicans need to do the hard on-the-ground work that Democrats have been doing for years. They need to go precinct to precinct. They need to be registering voters. They need to be making sure that their voter networks are updated. They need to be doing the kind of robocalls that Democrats have been doing repeatedly. And yes, Republicans in state legislatures need to change the rules when it comes to voting. Early voting is a disaster area. It is morally wrong. Okay, early voting, en masse early voting is morally wrong. Not because it's wrong to vote early on an individual level, but because when you have tons of people who are voting three, four weeks before an election, a lot of stuff happens in those three to four weeks. Election day is known as election day because it is election day. Now, if you have a health problem, if you have a legit reason why you can't vote that day, that's one thing. But the notion that anybody for any reason should be voting two months in advance of an election is really, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Republicans need to shore that. They need to shore up voter ID. They need to cleanse the voter rolls. They need to make sure that the system is not being gamed. That is hard on the ground work that has to be done within states. It can't be done by the Senate today. It can't be done by congressional Republicans who now have no power. It can't be done by any of those people. It has to be done in the states. Hard on the ground work. Hard on the ground work. That's what it's going to take. And in the meantime, there's going to need to be another thing that is done. And that is we need a cultural solidarity movement between conservatives and classical liberals and people who still love basic freedoms in the United States. That's the biggest point. That's the biggest point. We are going to need a cultural solidarity movement. And I want to talk about that for just one second. Okay, we are going to need a movement where people support one another. Where when somebody gets fired, conservatives rehire the person. Where when one person sounds off inside a company, a thousand people sound off inside the company. Folks on the left are excellent at this sort of cultural solidarity. It's why you see folks unionizing over at Alphabet, the Google company. And I'm not calling for conservatives to unionize. I'm saying that conservatives need to say to their employers that if you start firing people based on their political point of view, we will all walk out. That we are not going to tolerate being forced to parrot the woke memory of our employers. That if we're in college and the college administrators decide to go after conservatives or they decide to put in place bad administrative features, that we're going to go to the donors and we're going to remove our money from the system. Republicans need to get it together. Democrats have acted with solidarity. And they've used that solidarity to cram down their particular agenda. Conservatives need to build alternative sources of information. They need alternative sources of entertainment. They need to do what the left has been doing. Because the right believes in the power of markets, because the right believes in the power of individuals, we don't think institutionally. Okay, and that has its benefits and it has its drawbacks. Its, its benefit is that we do think individually, which is good. The drawback, however, is that because we think individually and not institutionally, we do not build institutions. Democrats build institutions. You want to know why America has moved consistently to the left since the 1960s? 
It's because one by one, the left, the radical left increasingly, has taken over nearly every institution in American life, forced it to the left, and forced everybody else to shut up. They've engaged in a renormalization effort that has succeeded. Here's the thing. Renormalization can be pursued in reverse. You can renormalize an organization by demonstrating intransigence when your rights are violated. You have to do it with your friends. You have to get together with other people. You have to make the connections and you have to stand up as one. It's not enough to have one person stand up and get fired. It's not enough to have one person standing in the, in the even, a, even a politician, even President Trump. It's not enough to have one person standing in the river of culture and holding up his hand and saying, no, we all have to do it together. We all have to do it together. And that's what we're going to be working on at Daily Wire. I think it's what we all have to work on as Americans, as conservatives, because a lot of these principles are not just conservative. They're just basic American principles. And that's what's going to be under assault. Your freedom of religion, your freedom of association, your freedom of speech. That's what's coming. Get ready. The battle is on. All right, we're going to be back here later today with an additional hour of the Ben Shapiro Show. In the meantime, go check out the Michael Moles Show that is available right now. A little bit later today, we'll talk about the Jacob Blake case, where again, the media just have done extraordinary disservice to the truth and to decency. We'll get to that a little bit later today, so stick around for that. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Rebecca Doyle and Savannah Dominguez. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright 2021. Georgia determines control of the Senate. Republicans on Capitol Hill try to stop certification of the presidential vote. And a shocking new report says men in dresses still beat women at sports. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Gear up for the great outdoors with Forlow, the brand that's revolutionizing outdoor apparel. Forlow's non-compromised, 100% American-made outdoor apparel protects your body from the elements so that your mind stays focused on the hunt, on the water, or on the trail. Your adventure starts with a solid foundation, which is why Forlow's base layer is designed to provide the comfort and insulation you need to keep going when the temperatures drop. Their uniquely breathable down layer ensures that you stay warm without overheating. And since proper protection goes beyond insulation, the final layer, a waterproof shield, completes the system. From UPF sunblocking material that shields you from harmful rays to polygene technology that masks your scent, Forlow's innovative designs and cutting-edge material ensures that you can focus on the adventure, not the elements. Their commitment to innovation and American craftsmanship will carry you beyond the known and into the unknown where the journey truly begins. Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DAILYWIRE for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com, code DAILYWIRE.